This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the late edition of The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. Here with you till midnight, 1-800-919-3776. Julian and Joe along the way. Of course, we'll recap the big win by the Jets. We, Of course, we'll recap the Giants win despite losing a quarterback and a half. Yes, we'll talk about Aaron Judge still on 61. Yankees lose to the Orioles. But the Mets, this was a team that was up 10 and a half in first place. This was a team that despite some of their injuries and Atlanta playing incredible baseball, was still holding on to first place. And you knew it was coming down to this weekend. You knew it was coming down for the Mets to have to just win one game. Just one game out of three in Atlanta. That's all they had to do. And they were set up lovely. Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, your top three. You set it up for your best three pitchers to be ready to go. That's how you set it up. It it was perfect. You set it up where you could at least get one of the three. Because if you got one, you would have the tiebreaker. And that's all you needed. Now Atlanta has the tiebreaker and a two-game lead and a magic number of one to clinch the division. And to be honest, the Mets don't deserve to win the division. They don't. And that's why they won't win the division. And they didn't lose it this weekend. They lost it losing to the Cubs. They lost it losing to the Nats. They lost it losing to the Marlins. They lost it losing to last-place teams. A couple of games to the Pirates. That's where they lost this lead. That's when they had the opportunity to pick up wins and get fat. And to be honest, they should have been out of first place a little bit before this. Here's all you know, all you need to know. And John Harper, who does a great job on SNY, just tweeted this out. While Swanson and Olsen hit six home runs in this series, three apiece, the Mets stars at the same position came up empty. Lindor and Alonzo combined to go five for 25 with no extra base hits. Lindor 0 for 5 tonight when the Mets desperately needed his bat. Now listen, Lindor's had a fabulous season. And Lindor's got all the records, shortstop RBIs. He's, he's, had, a, he's had a really good year. Great year defensively. But we're going to remember what he did in a big spot. And they didn't get it done. All right, so now it looks like the Mets are probably going to play either the Phillies or the Padres in a wild card. In a wild card. I mean, that's not what you wanted. That's not how you had your season set up. And whoever wins the wild card, oh, guess what? They get to play the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, all you had to do was not get swept. One game. That's all you needed. And you had the best pitchers on the staff to get it done. Now, you could tell me, Larry's still not over. I mean, the Mets could sweep and then Atlanta loses and you end up with a t- You had it in your own hands. You had the opportunity to put Atlanta away and you didn't get it done. 
Didn't get it done. Offensively, you choked in big spots. And Atlanta continued to hit home run after home run after home run. I mean, you gave it your best, but you have to be able to score runs. And that's what they did not do in this series. And that's what really they have not done for about the past month, six weeks of the season. Haven't got it done. That's why they've lost to some of these awful teams. We'll hear what you have to say. 1-800-919-3776. Also hit me up on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. We'll talk to you next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Also via Twitter at Hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. I just, I'm sitting here. I'm still, I'm still stunned. I'm still stunned that the Mets could not find a way to win one game this weekend. Not one, not one. DeGrom, bad. Scherzer, not good. Bassett, unbelievably bad. The worst time for your top three to give you a poor outing. The worst time. And the bats couldn't bail them out. And you had a feeling, right? With DeGrom, oh, they don't score a lot of runs for DeGrom. And Scherzer either. And Bassett, he just, he, you know, they gave him a lead. He just couldn't hang. We'll take your Met calls in a minute. Also, let's give let's give some love to our local football teams, huh? So let's start with the Giants. I'm going back and forth. I'm going back. I'm looking at the Jet game and looking at the Giant game, looking at the Jet game, looking at the Giant game. And I'm just going to tell you, Saquon Barkley is going to have, if he continues like this, the Giants are seriously, and I had this conversation with Pat Leonard a week ago, the Giants are going to seriously have to consider whether they want to give him a contract. He is running the ball. He's making plays. He's he's making cutbacks. I get it was Chicago. I get it. But the Bears' defense is not terrible. Their defense is decent. Offense, struggling. I'll grant you that. Defense, not bad. And so for him to be able to make the moves he was able to make, I mean, they had no, I mean, they had no answer. I mean, they ran the same play. Remember all week I was telling you how the coaching staff of the Jets really needed to tell their defense to set boundaries because all the all the quarterbacks do the same thing. They fake one way, go the other way, and when they go the other way, there's nobody there, and they just run for yards and yards and yards and yards. Well, that's what Daniel Jones did to Chicago today over and over and over and over again. That he leaves with a high ankle sprain. Tyrod Taylor comes in. Tyrod Taylor gets knocked out with a concussion. And then Daniel Jones has to come back in. Now, he told our Jordan Runon after the game that he feels okay. We'll see what the x-rays and stuff say about him. But this is an interesting situation for them, quarterback-wise, as they head internationally and go to London to play the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Nice win by the Giants. Nice win. They're a better team than Chicago. You had them at home. Take care of them. Put them out of their misery. As far as the Jets are concerned, I got to tell you, the fourth quarter for Zach Wilson was pretty good. It was pretty good. Now, obviously, he had a couple of turnovers. One of them really, the tight end should have caught it, hit off his hands and bounced off his helmet. So 
That's a tough one. And then the other one where he didn't see the, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the analysis of it and they're like, well, you can't see the guy. Well, yeah, I understand it. So we'll give him one, we'll give him one interception. Okay. We'll give him one interception. And that was a very good play by the corner because, and the reason why I want to give that uh, pick to Zach Wilson is very simple because he was predetermining and staring down his receiver. You can't stare down your receiver. That's why the corner jumped around because he was staring at his receiver. He knew that's where he was going. So he'll learn. He'll look the receiver off, go back and go look, look at the receiver, look away, and then come back. He'll learn. But the fourth quarter, after they had lost the lead, you just were like, oh, come on. Here we go. They played well to start. They have a lead. Oh, you're thinking this is not, you can't lose this game. Defense, uh, four takeaways, give them credit. Took advantage of the rookie quarterback, had two, had three picks off him. Great. But they also had, they're also getting killed by these big chunk plays again. And again, two veterans with bad penalties defensively, Carl Lawson, CJ Mosley, that kept drives alive, that ended up in the points. And I was just waiting. I was waiting for somebody in the postgame to say, well, we didn't prepare for Kenny Pickett. We only prepared for Mitchell Tra- Mitch Trubisky, so we didn't know what to do when – stop. But I didn't have to say that because Jets won the game. And once again, he made mistakes, but in that fourth quarter, when it was winning time, Zach Wilson stepped up and marched that team down the field and didn't miss a pass – on that final drive. Now the trick is, can he build on that next week? Can he build on that next week? And the week after that. And the week after that. Those are the questions that you need to find out about your young quarterback. And here's a guy who I have been very critical of. Okay? And I think rightfully so. But you guys know me. If if I criticize you when you do something negative, I'll praise you when you do something well. Corey Davis was outstanding today, especially in the second half. Big catches, big moments in the game. All right, I've talked enough. Let's hear from you. 1-800-919-3776. Your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to Jack in Manhattan. Jack, you are next on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, Jack? Hey, how are you? Great. Um, so, look, listen, I, I, uh, my observations of Daniel Jones in the last, gosh, you know, beginning of this year, last year, he seemed very manic in the pocket, just like like watching a game was always about desperation to either lose the ball, somehow get rid of it, or do something semi-bad or a dink and dunk at best. Today, I saw something which was like more of a scheme. Maybe it's Dable, you know, initiated or not, but this whole like step back, fake a handoff to Saquon and then take the ball and use his legs. And just like he seemed more control in the pocket, which I, which I think is, is incredible in terms of his progression. What do you think? Well, I'll say this, Jack, and thanks for the phone call. The one thing 
He is so good with his legs that I think you're always trapped to run plays like that for him. And especially when the offensive line has been inconsistent, they showed where they were a little better today. Uh, I think you're tempted to do that. He he does well in the pocket. He just doesn't have – the thing about him is he still doesn't really have that presence that he can sense that something's really coming and it's about to really get him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's it's – they have the little clock or little awareness, like you know, in in, um, in superhero terms, his spider sense doesn't pick up that something somebody's about to knock his head off. All right, so that's why you do some things to keep him on the move. You love the way he moves his legs, so it, that's what I expected Dayball to do. Is that is to put him in situations where he would be more comfortable. And then it allows him, once you do things like that, then he can stand in the pocket and feel more comfortable because the rush, you're not sure what he's going to do. Okay, you've been burned by him faking the handoff. You've been burned by him running. You're not really sure. So the safeties have to pause a second or the linebackers have to pause a second and see, okay, is he running? Is he not running? Running. And in that time, he's able to make a move and, and get the ball down the field. So you're right in the sense he was calmer, but he was calmer because he had the defense on their heels. Spike, let's try Spike in St. Pete again on 9870 ESPN. What's up, Spike? Okay, you there now? Gotcha. Okay, is confessional open? Uh, yeah, it's open. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Larry, who, 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 are you doing it for me or am I doing this for you? <laughs> no, 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 I'm doing it for you. Okay. No, good. I, I, I'm, I'm good. First, I'll give you 15 seconds on the football game. The Jets no. played well for last quarter. They're, they're terrible in the third quarter. They've been outscored something like 34 to 3 in the third quarter. So they got to work on that. Showed some improvement. You know, like you said, you stepped up. You, you Some guy you criticized, Corey Davis. Uh, and, and the Giants, Saquon Barkley looks brilliant. And uh, both uh, teams, the four teams will probably win 28 games, all of them. But you, you take who's on the schedule, you chalk up the win, and you move forward. Let's see if they can do it again against a little better company. Now, for the Mets. You went to CCNY, you're a beaver, I'm a beaver, my best friend's a beaver. The better team won. The champions won. The pitchers disappointed us. They pitched well enough. They didn't pitch their ace game, they pitched their deuce game. But they didn't hit. They don't hit. The Mets lost this season. No one has said this. And I'm looking at it from a little bit of a distance. I'm pulling for my buddies here. They lost it at the trading deadline. Mm-hmm. When they didn't get get another hitter, when they didn't fix the bullpen, and the better team, uh, they're the best team in baseball to me. I think they're better than the Dodgers because the Dodgers play in the uh, in the West, and uh, Atlanta has one glaring hole, and it's in left field. With the, he's, he can't field the ball, and the designated hitter who got in some off field trouble can't field the ball. It's not a, not an easy out in that lineup. Not an easy out. They got a lot of free agents. And uh, Morton was no pushover. He had 37-38. He still has a good curveball. And I didn't realize that the kid, the 20-game winner, who pitched the kid who got uh, the second game, and then the first game, Kid Fried, who got sick, yeah. they got them out. They, they, These guys were brilliant all year. And and Lindor, I don't know what Buck did the, the, the second game with the lineup. you got to explain that to me. I don't know what he was doing. But the only one who showed up was McNeil. And I wish you well. And uh, no miracles happening because the trading deadline, they didn't get anybody. And you can't lose the games to the Cubs. So hang in there and you'll watch some playoff games and we'll take it from there. We'll make the adjustments offseason. 
I'm looking for basketball, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. <laughs> now I'm going to be with my Mets in the postseason. Okay, we, you still got a shot. Still going to be in the postseason anyway. Still got a chance to represent the NL East. We'll see what we can do from the postseason. We'll see what we can do from the wild card spot. But, oh, man, look at that. A turnover by an interception by Tampa from Patrick Mahomes. Five plays, 34 yards, a minute 12. Boom, touchdown. 41-30, Kansas City. Um, in Sunday Night Football. Uh, but, Spike, you're right. And not having Marte, killer. Not having Marte's bat in the lineup, killer. Killer. Just killed him. Just killed him. Because he's the only other guy in your lineup that you can think that, that could give you some power. A little bit. A little consistent power. And you needed that. And so, you know, listening to all the Yankee fans who who killed their team about, oh, they're just home run or nothing, and you can't be like that in the postseason. You got to be able to string hits together. Sometimes, yes, in theory, you're right, in theory. But sometimes it's the home run that does it. Sometimes it's the home run because it's one bad pitch. And when you face really good pitchers, they normally don't make mistakes to that nature where you string hits together and it's a beginning like you would in the regular season. So, yes, it's a combination. There are times when you need to get runners on and get a runner in from third with less than one out or less than two outs in that situation. Obviously, yeah, then you want contact. But sometimes the long ball did it. And, I mean, Atlanta, everybody hits home runs with that team, it just looks like. Everybody has the opportunity to hit a run. And Travis Travis Darno continues to haunt his former team. Just does. He really does. Richardson, Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Larry, I'll never be convinced. The man on second, no out, ghost runner, should not be pushed over to third. You can score without a hit if you push the runner over to third with one out. So I'll I never agree be with con- you depending never. on where the lineup is. I'll agree with you depending on where you are in the lineup. Yes, I will agree with you. Larry, let me tell you what, ha- what the experience I had today, and I find it very interesting. Okay. I was up in the Bronx, uh, up in the Frogneck area, went to a nice sports bar, mm-hmm. and I go in, and a nice crowd watching the games. All mm-hmm. 15 televisions, Larry, 15 TVs in this place. All 15 are on football games. Actually, really? 14. One was on horse racing. So I go to the bartender. I say, please, one game, just put one TV on. The Yankee game. Judge. He says, all right, I'll put it on. Nobody can care less about the Yankee game. Yeah. All right, so then I have to come back into the city, and I come down to in the 70s. I go into a sports bar. They have younger crowd, younger kids. Same situation, 15 televisions in this sports bar. Not one television. One, Larry. Not, now, I'm not asking three or four. One TV for the Yankee game. I mean, I want to watch history if it happens. Mm-hmm. And the guy was nice. They put it on. None of the kids could care less about what Judge was doing. Not one. Wow. They were all watching. They were watching Tennessee, Buffalo, the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, well, the Jets didn't get the Jet game and the Giant games were great, granted. But they were on like three or four TV sets, you know, in different sections of the bar. So I can understand that. But not one TV in either bar was on, one TV was watching a Yankee game. And I heard later on people said, hey, we're all tired of watching this chase. And, you know, baseball's not our thing. And Sunday is just football. Six other days of the week we can worry about football, baseball. But today it's just football. I, I was amazed. 
I was a man. Nobody could care less about watching history. If it happened, it happened. They said, we don't care whether we're watching it or not. Don't you find that funny? I don't know. I do. Well, i tell you this, Richard, and thanks for the phone Pleasure, call. Larry. Thank you. It is a little interesting, but it's Sunday. This is NFL season, my friend. I know what you're saying about Judge. I know. But listen, they, they figure out right now with, with fantasy, everybody's got their fantasy players rolling. Everybody's got, you know, Typico or FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever their favorite choice is, MGM, BetMGM, whatever it is. Okay, that's what they're into right now. That's what they're checking on. And they'll check their phones. And if Judge does it, they'll have the bartender or the barkeep switch and they'll catch the replay. (laughs) This is football season, Richard. This is the priority is the National Football League. I'm telling you, that's what's happening right now, my friend. And that's the way these teams and that's the way fans are. You want to say there were some fabulous games today. A lot of entertaining games. To go back to what Spike said about the Jets. You're right. They do not play well in the third quarter. But really, my bar for the Jets is kind of low. Okay, and I've said it to you before. I want to see competitive games where it's competitive in the fourth quarter where they have a chance to pull out a win. And that's what I saw today. They were competitive early. They were playing much better than Pittsburgh early. It's the reason why Trubisky was benched for Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett gave them a spark. He did turn the football over a couple, three times. The Jets were able to make those plays. Listen, previously they've, they've dropped those. Okay, previously they have. Easy, easy situations where you can make an interception and turn the game around and turn field position around. But they did, they did not do that today. So, Spike, you're right. They, the third quarter has not been good. So they have to do some things in the locker room again. They have to make some more adjustments. All right? But for me, right now, looking at drop passes, looking at, as I mentioned, the, the personal foul, roughing the passer and, and those type penalties, that's what they need to cut back on. Because against the better teams, they're going to make you pay. They're going to score sevens. Not give you another pick. Not settle for three. They're going to burn you with touchdowns. And so that's where they have to improve. Okay? that If they take care of the self-inflicted wounds, that will help them play more consistently and take another step towards trying to figure out what this team is. And trying to figure out, do you have a franchise quarterback in Zach Wilson? All right. So, listen, two picks today, one not his fault. Love what he did on the in the fourth quarter. And I think when you look back, when he was more stationary and was able to stay in the pocket a little longer, understanding he might get hit or was going to get hit and hung in there and delivered the pass, he was a little better than when he started on the unscheduled plays or rolling out. And one other thing, I got to say this. What is going on with the Jets' offensive line? They're going to have to bring some more people in here this week. 
I mean, there's more guys went down. It's unbelievable how many offensive linemen they're losing. They're switching people all over the place. What, they were down to their fifth or sixth lineman? I mean, how many linemen do you get? And you realize the ones you get now are not going to be that good. So you're going to have to keep a tight end in there. They're not going to be that good. They were pretty good today. And thank goodness for continuing to run the ball, Mike LaFleur. Nice job out of you. We'll hear from some Jets and Giants next. You're listening to The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. That's Zach Wilson on the win. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And listen, this was a good game for him. You'd like the completion percentage to be a little better. You get it. And you like how he hung in with all the changes on this offensive line. As I said before the break, everybody gets hurt on this offensive line. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Every, every game, they lose one or two offensive linemen, it seems. And there were some guys they brought in. I even know we're on the team. I had to go look at my roster. <laughs> it was these guys. Now, the third quarter, not good for the Jets. Not good at all offensively. So, Zach, what changed for you in the fourth quarter than was so different from the third? Yeah, it's just NFL, man. I mean, you know, we had some some good things going early. We score, you know, things get stalled out. You know, my mentality is just keep doing my job, keep doing my job, keep chipping away and, and relaying that message, and everybody did. You know, everyone kept fighting. You know, there was never a single time we were going out there that anyone anyone was down or, you know, there was frustration, but it was, it was the right frustration. So I think um, what a cool opportunity and moment for us as an offense to be able to, you know, lose the lead like that, have some turnovers, and then need to rebound and move on from those. Yeah, and they did that. And, you know, listen, that's that's how that's how you grow, right? That's how you grow. That's how you get experience. I don't care. I don't look. Larry's the Steelers. They're struggling. Mr. Trubisky, but I don't care. Your young quarterback found a way to come back from ten, having a lead, losing a lead, and come back from 10 down to find a way to win the game on the road. And I know Mitch Trubisky is not great. I know the Steelers' offense has not been great. But excuse me, that defense is still pretty tough. Okay, that defense is still pretty good. And they're still physical. But I think what was big for the Jets offensively, third and fourth down conversions is what Zach Wilson had to say about those. It was just capitalizing on opportunity. It was there in the third quarter too. There was just a couple of opportunities that we were missing here and there, and we we're just a just a it's game. It's a game of inches. And uh, again, just when we got that opportunity after the interception, it was uh, just a really good, precise drive. Um, you know, we had the fourth down conversion uh, to to get it to within three on that drive. They got it to within three. So they, you know, in, in critical situations, the guys stepped up and made plays when we needed to. All right, that was Robert Sala on the. Big third and fourth down conversions. Now let's hear what Zach Wilson had to say about the same topic. It's 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 cool seeing those plays, right? Because uh, it, it just shows the, the the team effort there. I mean, the O line did a great job holding up there. You know, making the pocket feel comfortable. Um, you know, those guys that do a great job separating in their man coverage, winning at the top. I can see the routes that they're giving me. Easy for me to sit back there and hit them when when everyone's doing their job like that. You know, so I think you know credit to those guys for keep battling. It was awesome. It was a nice win. Got to say, you know, you saw some things that at least they look like a competitive football team. 
It's over. Kansas City beats Tampa Bay 41-31. KC now 3-1. Tampa drops to 2-2. Two two. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on the drive. Hey, y'all. What's going on, big bro? What's up, Buddha? Hey, listen, man. You know, this is, in a lot of ways, this might be the best win the Jets had, and I say, in a couple of seasons. I mean, the Cleveland thing was a fluke. You know, but this was a legitimate win. Uh, I'm not trying to fool myself. I know Pittsburgh is not really a good team at all. But there were a couple of things that you got out of this game that, you know, give you a glimmer of hope. You know, obviously, the quarterback play in the second half, you know, predominantly the fourth quarter, was was excellent. He made good throws. You know, um, he hung in there, like you said. The offensive line still is in shambles. But they actually played a little better in the fourth quarter. I, I, you know, with a couple of pieces they moved around. Um, Vera Tucker actually played well at left tackle. You know, it, it, was, it was it was good, you know, to see the team bounce back. But the three main culprits that I have been very critical of, they all came through today. Uh, the quarterback was one. Corey Davis, let's give him some love. Mm-hmm. He held on to the football in meaningful spots today. Meaningful, you know what I'm talking about? Not those wide open that 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 touchdown against Cleveland where there was nobody. In, I mean, he caught the ball in heavy traffic at a time of need, you know. So I'll give respect to that brother for that. Uh, but the third person, and maybe let's not say a person, let's just say a group, was the coaching staff. Um, I think Quentin Williams, a little dust up provided a little clarity about what the players like, and, and the coaches implemented that. I mean, Quinn and Williams played well, you know, hustling down the line, trying to get that guy, you know, the quarterback when he was rolling out. That was that was big. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Joyner, bounce back game for him. And, you know, how many times do you see the ball get tipped up in the air and there's a jet right there and he just doesn't get it? Yep. But today they did get it, you know, and um, – that gives you a glimmer of hope, bro. You understand what I'm saying? It yeah, gives you a glimmer of hope. I mean, Miami lost their quarterback. Maybe we can win that game now. Mm-hmm. It's funny, Buddha. It's not who you play. It's when you play them. And you, no got, a, you, you got a situation now where, now listen, it's going to be tougher because that secondary, you're really going to have to get a pass for us on whoever the quarterback is, whether two is able to come back or not. You got to get a pass for us because – Tyreek Hill is no joke. Waddle is no joke. Brait are no jokes. This is a very active receiving core. And they can run the ball a little bit also. So this defense has got to be uh, it's got to be disciplined. And Buddha, they Carl Lawson cannot be hitting the quarterback afterwards. And CJ and listen, the CJ Mosley one was a little was a little ticky, ticky tack for me. But you just can't put yourself in those positions because that's how the officials are calling things. I mean, him and John Franklin Myers. I mean, John Franklin Myers, that ROI has been horrible. You know, um, you know, it seems like he's had one sack since he got that contract. Yeah. But you know what, um, what? What they can do, and you saw glimmers of it. It's coming along. It's coming along. You know, the best defense on one of those high-power offenses, you remember even back in the days when the Patriots played the Rams in that Super Bowl. You got to use ball control. Mm-hmm. And they can use ball control. Brees Hall looks like he's coming on. You understand what I'm saying? You got Michael Carter. He's legitimate. But if we can get the quarterback to continue, like the thing that I like about the way he played was not just, you know, 
and laser throws. You definitely saw the arm arm strength on display. But it was a ball control type of a thing. Like, he wasn't running all around. He wasn't trying to make the big throw down the field. So, if you can get chunk play, chunk play here, and, you know, have some drives where you eat up clock and things like that, it gives you a chance. I mean, Miami is vulnerable right now, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent. Obviously, our secondary is going to have to play better. He's definitely going to have to get a pass rush. But, I mean, you know, there's a lot going on with them. And everything that happened with Tua and all that. You know, people getting fired, being scapegoated and things like that. I think this is actually a good time to play them. You know, I, I just, you know, like I said, bro, like, it's been a minute. You know what I mean? And, and you know, I love the Jets, man. I always want them to win. But I've been so pissed off at them and so angry, you know, for the last, I would say, four or five years. It's almost like this was like a surprise to me. And I'm not saying, like, Pittsburgh was some type of really good team. But, you know, you went into this game thinking, you know, Robert Sala has no chance to outcoach Mike Tomlin. And that wasn't the case today. And I think that bodes well for the future. Now, you know, he can keep on to those receipts, and he can bring those receipts up if they continue to grow and play better. And as a fan, that's all you can ask for, bro. That's right, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. And if you're Robert Sala right now, you put the receipts in your pocket and you be quiet. And you just watch your team grow. Because what you're trying to figure out right now is where is your quarterback? All right? What's going on with your quarterback? Is he a franchise quarterback or not? That's what you want to find out. So the fact that he was able to take some hits, stayed in the game, made plays, as Buddha said, played on the control, and for me, used the tight end very well. That's how you use the tight end the way they use the tight end today. It was it was it was just different. It the offense, especially in the fourth quarter, listen, the third quarter was not the same. But especially in the fourth quarter, it had a rhythm. You could see some things, it had a rhythm to it. And the other thing that I really, really liked, he spread the ball around. Seven, eight players, different receivers, caught passes today. This was a good day for him. Okay? This was a good day. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's the drive on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Sala on the win. Robert Sala on the team's resiliency. Losing the lead but getting it back. Winning on the road. And Pittsburgh is not an easy place to win. I know, once again, I know they're not a good team. But defensively, they're still pretty good. They're solid defense. Hayward and those guys, they don't play. They're still in there. They ran the ball a little bit today. So, but clearly, Kenny Pickett, he showed you something. That young man is going to be pretty good. If he continues what you see, he can throw it. He can sling it. You can see that. You know, trailing, came in, tried to change the change the tempo. Fans loved it. Listen. The backup quarterback is always the fan favorite, <laughs> no matter where you are. So now we'll see what happens during the week. We'll see what happens with the Jets. We'll see who's going to be a quarterback for the Miami Dolphins and all the things that have been swirling around with the, 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 the physician being fired who said he didn't have a concussion. It's just it is, it is craziness. And then in tonight's game, Cameron Brait 
came back in, looked like he had a concussion. Not sure, but it looked like he, he had the symptoms of a concussion, but apparently he didn't. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come back in from the independent physician. So this is something that's not going away, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see what happens. And uh, the NFL, of course, is very simply pointing to the independent folks <laughs> to see what, you know, hey, hey, listen, we're doing what we're supposed to do. The independent person checked them out. That's all we know. So we'll see what happens with Tua during the week. Once again, going back to the Giants game, Saquon Barkley has been the Giant offense. I mean, let's be serious, right? He's been the most consistent guy on that offense. He has been. He caught two passes for 16 yards today. He had 31 carries for 146 yards. Daniel Jones had 68 yards on six carries with a long of 21. Barkley had a long of 29. And once again, as badly as you need receivers, the Giants do because of injury. Bellinger, three receptions for 23 yards. Hudson, a reception for 18 yards. Barkley, I mentioned. Slayton, one for 11. James, one for nine. Sills, the fifth, one for five. Kenny Galladay, one target, no receptions. I mean, what is going on? Is he ever going to find a way to be a part of this Giants offense? I mean, they can't fight. They can't beg him to get into this offense and be productive. It's it's unbelievable that he has been such a non-factor at a time when the Giants desperately need somebody to step up and be their number one receiver for whoever's the quarterback in the game. Whoever it is. And clearly it's going to have to be uh, Daniel Jones because Tyrod Taylor going through uh, concussion protocol and then with him having to travel internationally, that might be an issue. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on that for you during the week. But once again, Giants did what they were supposed to do. They beat a Bears team that's not very good. They're decent defensively. They're not very good offensively. And they were not decent defensively today. They just weren't. This was a winnable game for the Giants. And the Giants did what they needed to do. They won the game. And so now they are 3-1. and one, Which is very good. I mean, when you consider that people, many folks thought they would win three games the whole season which I was not one of them because looking at the schedule, I knew they would be able to win more than three games. But they're playing, they're playing well enough to stay in striking range. Okay, that's what they're doing. They're playing well enough so they can, they can make a play here or there and win the game. That's what they're doing. And against a team that they are much, they are better than, they did a nice job. Now their next opponent, the Green Bay Packers, who needed overtime to dispose of New England today, 27-24. Aaron Rodgers, oh, 
21 of 35, 251 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. He was sacked once. But the tag team of Jones and Dillon did a nice job rushing. 33 carries for 183 yards. So the Giants are going to have to get their get their run defense ready. And, of course, Lazard is now the favorite receiver for Aaron Jones, for Aaron Rodgers. Six receptions, 116 yards for Lazard. So it's going to be tough. This is by far going to be the best quarterback that the Giants have faced this season. It's going to be a big-time test for their offensive, for their defensive line. And much like what Buddha said that the Jets have to do next week is the same thing that we have talked about for years. And I've been the one to talk about it over and over and over again. When Tom Brady was with New England and the Jets had to play them, your, your offense sometimes is the best defense, meaning you need long drives, running the ball, taking the ball, play time off the clock. You want to see Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. If you're the if you're the Giants next week, that's what you want to do. You want to see them on the sideline. Can't score on the sideline. <laughs> that's what you want. So, the question is going to be: Will they be able to find somebody that's going to catch the football consistently for them as a number one receiver? It would help them out a lot. But the Giants are three and one. Get this, Jets and Giants win on the same day twice in one season. It took them years to do it once. They did it twice in one season. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, we'll circle back with the drive where we started. The Mets getting swept by the Atlanta Braves. The Mets, who... At one point, had a 10-and-a-half game lead. The Mets, who have not, it's not that they've played badly. It's just that they have not played to the level that Atlanta has played. I mean, this is a Met team that is 37 games over 500. 37 games over 500. At 98. And 61. And Atlanta is 159. So there's two there's two losses that separate the two teams. So they have been going neck and neck. The difference is the Mets lost against teams they were not supposed to lose to. And Atlanta, when confronted with the same teams, beat them. And that's the difference. And just like uh, one of the other callers mentioned, here's a scenario where they were able, they, they did not take advantage of what they were supposed to do. You hear my frustrations next. <sighs> Tough to be a Met fan tonight on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 